the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Another look at the Pharisee and the publican. That's today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. You know, our world is full of contrasts. One of the biggest ones be that of arrogance or pride and humility. One of the best illustrations from God's Word on this can be found here in Luke 18, verses 9 and forward. Simply the Pharisee and the publican and the dichotomy or the differences we see between the two. Join us as we take another look at the Pharisee and the publican with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Now, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. I love the correct translation of the New American Standard Bible in verse 13, where it says, The tax gatherer standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. There was an article there that's not in the King James Version. The King James Version says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here you see an overwhelming consciousness of this man's sin. He sees himself as the greatest of all sinners. And he's saying, in effect, no man in all the world could be as great a sinner as I am. No man in all the world has sinned as much or as weak, as wickedly as I have sinned. I don't know if I should ask God for mercy or not. So he cringes in a corner and he pours out his brief cry. I have no works to offer. I have no deeds of which I can boast. There is nothing in my life but sinfulness. God, have mercy on me, the sinner. There is no sinner like me. I want to stop again. I want to ask you again. Have you ever been convicted of your sins like this? Have you ever thought as I look at my own life and I take inventory of myself, I'm going, I'm not, I am not going to compare myself to that homosexual. I'm not going to compare myself to that adulterer. As far as I am concerned, all of the betrayal, all of the sin, all of the lust, everything that is in my heart, no one has ever betrayed God as I have betrayed Him. Have you ever felt like that? That's the way a Christian feels in his sin. Let me give you a good example. Paul. He said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Look at all these people I've sent to prison and to death because they were Christians. I am the worst sinner imaginable. And that is what this publican is saying here. God be merciful to me The sinner. Now let me tell you what else he is saying. In verse 13 he says, God be merciful to me. 
In Greek, he is literally saying, God, make a propitiation for me, the sinner. God, propitiate me, the sinner. Now, propitiation is one of the most important words in the whole New Testament, because without which Christ's death would have accomplished nothing, and without which there would be no gospel. So let's look at some of the key passages in the New Testament in which this word, to propitiate or to make propitiation occurs. Turn, please, to 1 John chapter 2, and I'll read verses 1 and 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours alone, only, but also for those of the whole world. Turn over a couple of chapters to 1 John 4, 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, we read, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. One more, in Romans three twenty-three through 25, beginning the middle of verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Now, what is so important about that word? The word propitiation describes what Jesus Christ's death on the cross accomplished. And if he had not accomplished this, we would all perish in our sins. One of the most important things you can understand about people is that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So that everyone, by virtue of the fact that they are unbelievers, stand under the fury and the wrath the condemnation, and the anger of Almighty God. And unless that wrath and that anger are in some way removed, placated, appeased, pacified, that wrath and fury of God will destroy us and send us to hell. And the Bible says that God sent His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand between us and that tidal wave of the wrath of God. And as our substitute, he was on this cross, and full force of God's anger beat upon him, so that we, whom he represented, who were standing behind him, would go free and never bear that wrath. He bore it all away. That is what propitiation is. Propitiation is a violent, sacrificial death that turns away God's wrath from those who deserve to be destroyed by it. That is what the death of Christ is all about. And I trust you see now that without propitiation, we have nothing. We would still be under the wrath of God. But on that cross, Jesus took that wrath. He propitiated God. God's law and justice demand we be punished for our sins. 
And Jesus satisfied that law and that justice as our representative, as our substitute, taking what we deserve upon himself. Now let's go back to the publican. God propitiated me, the sinner. I know I'm the object of your wrath. I know I deserve condemnation because of my sins. Oh God, provide somewhere, some way, whereby that wrath must be appeased and might be turned away from me. That I might be forgiven and accepted into your family. And whether the publican was aware of it or not, he was praying for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to take place because that publican's prayer for mercy could never be answered without the cross of Christ. And neither can any of your prayers for mercy and forgiveness. God does not always forgive. God does not, as some Christians believe, say, you remember all those things I said about hell? Just forget them. You remember all those things I said about punishment and the consequences of sin and my wrath and the wages of sin is death? Forget them. I just forgive everybody of everything. God is not like that. You can't just go to God living a life of rebellion against Him and hope He forgets everything. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, no one would be forgiven. And now, if you expect to be accepted with God and have your sins forgiven, the only way you can do it is through faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for all those for whom he died. And you better believe you need propitiation. You need someone to satisfy God's law against your sins. You need someone to turn away God's wrath, or you're going to have to endure it for all eternity. So you become a Christian when you cry out, Lord Jesus, be my propitiation. God, be a propitiation to me, the sinner. That's when a person becomes a Christian. That's when a person is justified, when he recognizes that he needs the bloody sacrifice of Christ to be his propitiation, to turn away God's wrath from him. You know, you can walk down an aisle all you want. You can ask Jesus into your heart all you want to. It means absolutely nothing until you stand before God and you beat your chest, either physically or figuratively, being conscious of your guilt and full of agony of heart, and you cry out to God against whom you have sinned. God, propitiate me, the sinner. I rest upon the death of Christ alone in my place. And until you believe that, you are not yet a Christian, and your sins have not yet been forgiven, and you have not been accepted into the family of God. Now let's look at verse 14. The answer to the two prayers. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. To me, that is one of the most amazing sentences in all the Bible. Jesus is saying, I tell you, this is a fact. This is God telling us the truth. I tell you, this man, this publican went down to his house justified. 
Why is that such an amazing statement? It is amazing because this good-for-nothing tax collector came unjustified, lost, under God's condemnation to the temple. God convicted him of his sins. He cried out for mercy. God forgave him immediately of all of his sins, adopted him into his family, and the man who came into that house lost, left, justified forever. It happened that quickly, instantaneously, immediately upon believing. It happened in the moment in which he believed. Justification is not some kind of process that is dependent on a life of good works. Justification, that is forgiveness of sins and acceptance with God, is immediately received the moment you believe. The moment you cry out from your heart and you believe what you are saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. All of your sins are forgiven. Now, let me give you one of the very few Greek lessons I know. You see the word justify. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Well, it is a passive voice. And a passive voice means the subject himself is not acting. The subject is being acted upon. The Pharisee was trying to justify himself. The publican was begging God to justify him. I can't justify myself. I have nothing in myself that I can claim or that I can trust. My only hope, God, is that you will be just and the justifier of all those who believe in Jesus. And there's something else that, about that word justify. There are several past tenses in Greek. One of them is a perfect tense. And when the perfect tense is used, it means that something takes place in the past and that continues permanently in the present and into the future. Guess what tense justified is here? It is a perfect tense. That is, this man went home justified immediately, instantly, irreversibly, and forever. Once God justifies you, beloved, you cannot lose it. Once God forgives your sins and accepts you into his family, that stands throughout all eternity. And it says concerning the publican, I tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Everyone else thought the Pharisee was justified. Everyone else was certain that God heard the Pharisee's prayer, but it was the publican's prayer that he heard. If the Pharisee had died in that condition, at that moment, I can assure you from this that he would be in hell this very day. But the publican went down justified to his house by God forever. The word justified is obviously also one of the most important words in all the New Testament. It means to declare righteous. And to use the words of our shorter catechism, it has reference to that act of God's free grace, 
wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us or given to us and received by faith alone. Let me show you some places real quick this word is used to show you its importance. We see in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It is God that does all this. You can declare your righteousness. You can think of yourself accepted with God all you want. But ultimately, the final verdict and decision is in the hands of God. Then in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law there shall be no flesh justified. And then the theme of the book of Romans that Paul takes right out of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. The just or justified shall live by faith. So you see this word justified is a big word. It's at the heart of the gospel. Justification means for God to declare you righteous, for God to forgive you of your sins, accept you into his family on the basis of nothing you have done, earned or merited, but on the basis of what the Lord Jesus Christ has earned and merited in our place through his sinless life and his atoning death on the cross. And the moment we put our faith in him as our Lord and Savior, that moment he becomes our Savior. That moment the judge of heaven and earth declares us not guilty. That moment God credits Christ's righteousness to our lives. That moment immediately, completely, irreversibly, eternally, God blots out all of your sins and accepts you as his child. You could have come into this church building today lost, condemned, unjustified. But you can leave this church building and go home justified and be bound for heaven, just like this publican. The change can be determined by what you do in this building. It doesn't matter whether you have been the member of a church, been baptized, or any of these such things. But if you cry out now before you leave this building, God propitiate me, the sinner, through the Lord Jesus Christ, you will walk out of here a saved man or woman or young person. But any attempt to mix faith and works, good deeds, destroys the gospel. Now understand I'm not saying performing good deeds don't account for anything. They can't make up for my wicked life. God doesn't count the points that I make as if I believe in Jesus. That's all the points I need to make. That's the only thing that counts. If I can believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that will count for something with God. And God will let me in because I did that. Listen. Not even faith in Christ counts for anything. You make no points for believing in Jesus. Faith is an open, empty, outstretched, crippled hand that begs God to put in that hand mercy and forgiveness and a new life. 
Your only hope is not that you conjured up some great mighty faith. Your faith counts for nothing. The only thing that counts in justification is Jesus. That's all that counts. Stretch out your hands to him and say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. I rest upon your death and your death alone in my place. And beloved, the only reason you would do that is because God gave you the faith to do it. So when the public can ask for forgiveness, hoping that in some way God's justice against him would be satisfied and God's anger with him would be turned away, he was saying, whether he fully understood it or not, that what he needed was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There and only there on Calvary's hill was God's justice satisfied and God's anger against us propitiated. And be clear about it. Think, how is it possible? How is it possible that we who have broken God's law, had the punishment we deserve taken away from us, the claims of God's law satisfied against us, the anger of God turned away from us? What is it about that historical moment that took place over 2,000 years ago that makes us able to believe that our sins are forgiven there? Simple little words. Jesus died as our substitute. 1 Peter 2.22 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 say this, Surely our our grieves he bore, Our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us to fall on him. The hell we deserve, Jesus took completely in our place. The moment we believe in Him, the moment He becomes our Savior and our sins are forgiven. And we can be certain of this because every single page of Scripture testifies to the fact that we have a loving God who meekly came into this world through the womb of a virgin taking on human flesh, God incarnate, so that he could give himself as a sacrifice, propitiating the wrath and the anger of Almighty God, so that all those whom God set his love upon before the foundation of the world might be justified, sanctified, and glorified, so that we might be fit for an eternity in his glorious presence. And that is not only what we celebrate this time of the year. But beloved, it's why we come together each and every Sabbath day to praise and to honor and to worship Him for such wonderful love. It is He and He alone who deserves our worship. He must increase and we must decrease as we see in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Is this the way you are living your life, beloved? Or are you somewhat 
like the Pharisee. Prideful, self-confident, looking down your noses at others, thanking God is pretty lucky to have you as a child, and wondering why others don't see things just like you do. I call on you to examine yourselves. Because if this is you in any way, shape, or form, you are of no use to the kingdom of God and may well be on your way to hell no matter what you confess. Before this day is over, cry out to God, O Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner, and then get busy humbly serving our mighty Lord by bringing all areas of life into submission to Him. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.